0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sabbath School Quarterly Podcast. My name is Courtney Tyler and this is my first time sharing on here, so let me just quickly introduce myself a little bit more. I serve as the Assistant Chaplain and a Bible Worker at Tweed Valley Adventist College here in North New South Wales Conference, and I am just excited to be sharing some thoughts with you based on the third lesson in our series on Isaiah. This week's lesson is entitled, When Your World is Falling Apart, which is such a relevant topic for us. I don't know about you, but I'm, when I'm looking around at the world, this week even, just with recent unrest in America and continuing developments with coronavirus, or perhaps you're thinking about your world, maybe you're navigating loss or some pain, hardship in your own life that you're facing. I'm just praying that this lesson will be a source of hope as we journey through a few key themes. But before we get too much further into it, I just want to say a quick prep. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for your words. I just want to ask that you will give us the Holy Spirit. And I just pray that you will speak to us so that we can know you more. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're picking up this week's lesson in Isaiah chapter 7. And instead of going through every single day during our time together just now, I want to focus on some key themes, some main points, and hopefully a few practical applications as well. So please just take the opportunity in your own time to look at the whole lesson in its entirety, but we'll just look at some key points today. So we're introduced in Isaiah chapter 7 to Ahaz, who is the king of Judah at the time. And we learn pretty quickly that Ahaz is not a good king. In fact, if you go and look in 2 Kings chapter 16, in the early few verses, we learn that Ahaz did not do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, his God. In fact, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, even made his sons pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had driven out from before the sons of Israel. He sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And so we see that Ahaz is using child sacrifice to worship pagan gods. And really he is leading God's people in the opposite direction, away from God. He's actually a harmful influence to the nation of Judah. And so things are looking pretty dark for God's people at this time. They're living in rebellion and idolatry. And it's at this time that God sends Isaiah with a message of judgment and also of hope. Judgment in the sense that if they don't turn from their rebellion, there would be consequences. But there's also hope because actually at the end of Isaiah 6, we're told that even if Israel is cut down like a tree that becomes a stump, there'll be a holy seed, that new life will come again. And this is a theme we're going to focus on today, which can be such a comfort to us that God will prevail and he can bring something new, even from situations that look hopeless. And so we're told in Isaiah chapter seven, verse one, that both the Kings of Syria and Israel make war against Judah, against Jerusalem and verse 2 tells us that when Ahaz hears this news, his heart and the heart of his people were moved as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. Ahaz shook with terror because in this moment he's not trusting God and he doesn't see how there's a way forward. He just sees his kingdom falling before his eyes. His world is falling apart. And his response, unfortunately, we see in 2 Kings chapter 16, verses 7 to 9, is that Ahaz actually seeks an alliance with another pagan nation? He reaches out to Assyria rather than turning to God for help. Now, remember this point because we're going to come back to it later in our discussion. God isn't done with Ahaz though, and in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 3, God actually sends Isaiah to deliver a message to Ahaz. And this actually reveals something really beautiful about God's character. Because remember how wicked King Ahaz is, yet God is going after him, pursuing him, and he is seeking him out. I just love that this is actually the overarching theme of the whole Bible, where right when sin entered with Adam and Eve in the garden, we see that we have a God who just seeks his children, offering mercy and salvation. And in our sin and our pain, God comes near He's always willing to speak into our circumstances if we'll just be willing to hear it. We see that right in the beginning and we see this with Ahaz's story. And if we look at our own lives, I believe we can see it too. That in our sin and our pain, God comes near and we can notice him if we're willing to see it. The other interesting thing here is that Ahaz was part of the Messianic line from David to Jesus. And so even though Ahaz himself was a wicked king, God had no intention of allowing the line of David to become extinct at all. And so we see here that God is going to preserve that because his purposes must prevail. You see, Satan may have had some of his own ideas about wanting to wipe out all the hope of humanity by cutting off this family line. But while Satan may have had his purposes, so does God. And so God steps in and he intervenes and he preserves this family line of David because Jesus, the Messiah, the Deliverer must come. So God sends Isaiah to the exact location where Ahaz is, here in verse 3, which is so personal of him, which just shows us that God knows his children so intimately, even Ahaz in his rebellion. God knows where he is, God knows what he's doing. And he draws near through his prophet Isaiah. And not only does Isaiah go, but God also instructs Isaiah in verse 3 to take his son, whose name is Shia Jashob, which literally means a remnant will return or remnant return. And the promise really is that there's hope. There's hope in this situation. But the choice is really up to Ahaz because either he can return to God and seek his help in this moment, or if he's not gonna go with plan A and he rejects God and he ends up in captivity, even then God can bring a remnant. God can bring new life again. And so really the presence of Isaiah's son is even an indication to Ahaz saying, hey, the choice is yours. Come back to me, but the choice is yours. And so verse 4 shows more of the message that Isaiah gave to Ahaz. And it basically says at the beginning, take heed and be quiet. Do not fear or be faint hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria and the son of Ramallah. And it goes on. But basically, it shows us that his message to Ahaz is do not fear. And that these two nations, which are called stubs of smoking firebrands, they're no threat to God. In fact, to him, they're about to burn out. You know, they're almost gone. They're not a threat to God. In fact, in verse 7, it says, It shall not stand nor shall it come to pass, because God was not going to permit man to interfere with his purposes for Judah or to end the family line through which the Messiah would come. And so I just want to highlight one more aspect of verse four here, because God, through Isaiah, instructs Ahaz to take heed and to be quiet. That's the beginning of verse four, because in the flurry of fear, anxiety, uncertainties, and in this case, enemy attack, God is saying to Ahaz, quiet your soul, Remove whatever may be shutting out my voice so that you can hear me. And this is a great opportunity for us to make a personal application to our lives because too often I know I find myself in situations where like Ahaz, I may be worried or uncertain and like him, sometimes I'm too quick to take matters into my own hands. And I just want to ask the question of us today, rather than turning to God in our trials, like Ahaz, who or what do we make alliances with? And how do we try and survive on our own? Maybe we try and fix the problem in our own strength. Or maybe like Ahaz, there's someone else, another person, or in his case, a nation that we turn to instead of turning to God. Or in our anxiety, sometimes we don't quiet our heart to hear God's voice and believe his promises, but instead we escape to other places to try and find reprieve and relief. Maybe it's social media or technology or sport or even just throwing ourselves into the busyness of our own lives, you know, working harder, that kind of thing. It could be something else for you. You'll know what it is. But let's just be aware of this human tendency in us so that when we find ourselves in situations where our world may be falling apart, that we can actually turn to God and not away from him, seeking temporal things. So I just want to recap really quickly. Ahaz is in this really trying situation. He's seeking to fix the problem himself, But there's also this overarching theme where God is protecting the messianic line because the savior has to come. And although salvation's coming, he's actually offering salvation to Ahaz here and now because he's saying to him, turn to me and be saved. And I just want to read here in Isaiah chapter seven, verses 10 to 12. It says, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord, your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. And so Ahaz doesn't really respond to Isaiah's call for faith. And God actually mercifully gives him another chance. He tells him to ask for a sign. And this is really one of the greatest invitations of faith to be ever given to a human. God was literally ready and willing to empty all of heaven and earth for this wicked king if only he would believe. And so what stands out to me here is the lengths that God is willing to go to for our salvation. You see, nothing is too great a cost. He was willing to give anything to Ahaz in order to reveal himself, if only Ahaz would just ask so that he could believe. But the saddest thing is that Ahaz was not even willing to allow God to help him to believe. He wasn't willing to see whether God would be faithful. He wasn't willing to take God at his word and to hold on to his promises and to let God do the work of helping him to believe because it really is never us anyway, is it? It's always Christ in us. That's the hope of glory and how sad God's heart must have been when Ahaz has rejected this opportunity. And this reveals to us a really sobering reality because God lets nothing get in the way of our salvation, except our own decision to willfully go against him because God will not force us to have life. But even here in this sad moment, God makes one more attempt and I love what happens next because although Ahaz has rejected the opportunity to choose a sign, God reveals one more sign to him. And it's the most beautiful thing that he could ever reveal. The sign is himself. And in chapter 7 verse 14 of Isaiah, we see the promise of God coming in the flesh as a person to walk on this earth a God whose love will go to any and every length so that we can know what he is like. So don't miss this. God's last effort to win Ahaz's heart is to put his character and his love on display and to reveal himself. And so Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And it goes on to explain a few more things but Emmanuel, which we know means God is with us. And this is our biggest comfort when our world is falling apart because our God is not distant. He's not disengaged and we may not always feel his presence, but his promise still stands. I am with you. And the lyrics to a song called He Will Not Let Go by Laura story have often been a comfort to me when I face pain and suffering. And they go like this. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When grief has paralyzed my heart, his grip holds even tighter than the dark. So I will trust that within his grasp, I am not alone, for he will not let go. Another quote that I hold on to is this one from Desire of Ages, where it says, Not a sigh is breathed, not a pain felt, not a grief pierces the soul, but the throb vibrates to the father's heart. That's found on page 356. And really it's saying that everything that touches you, it actually touches him. I also can't help but think of Galatians 4.4, which says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. And it just goes on in verse 5 to talk about how we become adopted as sons through him, his children. You see, this messianic line theme comes up again because at just the right time, God gives himself. Now, this is true in the sense of the timing when God would physically arrive, when Jesus would physically come, fulfilling that that timeline and that prophecy. But I also believe that this is true in our lives, because at just the right time, when we need him the most in our situations, God gives himself. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. There's no more that heaven can give. And When we think of the lengths that Jesus has gone to in order to be with us, you know, stepping down from heaven, distancing himself from that triune Godhead community in heaven, stepping down into this world where he faces trials, being misunderstood, misrepresented, mistreated. And, you know, he's this creator that eventually is killed by his own creation. There is no more that heaven can give because Jesus has suffered not only with us, but for us. And so we may not always get the answers we want to the question of why there's pain and suffering or why we face a certain circumstance. I'm coming to realise though, both through God's word and through my own experiences, that we may not always have all the answers, but in him we find an answer. We have a God who understands pain, who comes near and who experiences it with us. And I had a a moment that occurred to me just a couple of years ago when I was taking a flight. I looked out the plane window because I love the window seat. And I looked out and, and underneath us was this valley, this mountain range where you could see just, you know, the peaks and also the deep valleys all over it. And I just was struck with the thought that when I'm in a valley, all I can see is that deep, dark place. But God? Although he comes, you know, Psalm 23 says, and walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death, although he's with me there, he also sees the whole mountain range and he's able to lead me through. And so I hold on to that when my world is falling apart. And there is, I guess, just such a comfort in the fact that although God doesn't promise that we won't face hardship, he promises to be with us. And so when we're hurting and we don't understand, we can do one of two things. We can pull back from him and we can try desperately to, to get through it on our own, in our own strength. Or we can turn to him, a God who draws near in our pain, who understands what we face and who promises grace for this moment and hope for the future. And so I want to encourage you as we're coming to a close on this week's lesson to think of some times in your own life where you can see that God has been with you. Or perhaps maybe it's a situation you're navigating currently. What are the evidences, even small, even little things, that God is with you? Because often we experience God in a valley in a way that we simply couldn't when we're on an easy mountaintop experience with him. So whatever you may be facing this week, or perhaps you're contributing to a Sabbath school class this coming weekend, and perhaps there's people in that group who will be facing heartache and trials I'm just hoping and praying that through the experience of Ahaz, we may also be able to hold on to the promise of God with us because his answer to suffering is found in himself. And also, this isn't fully related to Isaiah and this lesson study as such, but if you're wanting to study further on this topic of suffering, I'd really recommend having a look at the book of Habakkuk. It's been a real comfort to me as I've wrestled with some of the difficult seasons that I've navigated in my own life personally. And so, God bless. And I just hope that this lesson will speak to you this week as you just learn more of the love of God for us.